The System Save Me podcast shares how business owners navigate their way to success through processes, systems, and routines. Your host, Jordan Gill, is behind the scenes of top business owners who travel the world while earning six and seven figures a year. There's a method to the madness. It's called systems. So let's get down to business. Welcome to episode number 56, where we're going to be talking all about planning your events for success. I'm super, super stoked to share this interview with y'all because this business owner is super legit. Uh, And I was really excited to interview her, um, especially because we haven't uh, talked about planning with your events. You know, we we talked about really the pre-event process, but generally speaking, we haven't talked about actual event planning. So this is going to be good, y'all. But first, I do want to touch on again that I have what I am calling just like my mega marketing event of the year, and it's called the System Saved Me Summit. And I am combining all of the amazing systems fanatics <laughs> uh, together to create a really, really awesome event. And it actually is starting in just a few weeks. So if you want to get in on a free event that is all about systems, then go ahead and uh, head over to systemsavedmesummit.com and you'll get free access to some videos. And guys, when I tell you I'm bringing the best and the brightest, it's I mean, the best and the brightest. So um, please, please, please come and join us. Uh, The actual start date isn't until August 16th. So again, we've got a few weeks, but come and join us. And if you are listening to this after the date, um, you can still gain access to videos for free afterwards. So everyone go ahead and go to systemsavemesummit.com and get your hands on that free ticket. Now, if this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a regular, fantastic. Either way, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes as we love hearing from our listeners. And if you don't want to miss out on the next episodes, be sure to subscribe or go to systemsaveme.com for show notes and freebies. Now let's dive deep into event planning. Hey, you guys. I'm so excited for this guest because, again, we haven't had anybody that has spoken about this particular topic. So I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy it. Um, So Katie, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on, Jordan. Yeah, I'm so, so excited to dive into this. And so first, before we dive in, uh, talk a little bit about you and your business. Sure. So my name is Katie Hunt, and I am the founder of Trade Show Bootcamp. And we work with creative entrepreneurs that are mainly product-based businesses um, in the stationery and gift industry. And we help them build out a wholesale program. So they sell to stores like Target or Anthropology. Um, We help them do that. And then we also help them um, exhibit at trade shows and pretty much everything in between. So from the concepts of starting their business, creating their product line, and then scaling that business. And we offer our programs in a couple of different formats. We do online classes, which we've been doing since 2011. And then we also have in-person conferences and we just hosted our 11th program in February. Um, and it's, it's been amazing. We've been doing these in-person programs since 2012 and, 
Um, there's just nothing better in my opinion than getting everybody in a room to talk shop together. Because when you get those like-minded business owners, like just the ideas and the like relationships, it's just awesome. So I totally, totally agree. I'm an events junkie. I'm actually in the next whatever month or so I'm traveling to three different places and like, are you? (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. I think that if people haven't been to a live event, you should go, even if it's on a local level, because honestly, I know our online world is so well connected. Now we have video video chatting and Facebook groups and all these things, but nothing beats sitting down and having a meal with somebody or listening to a speaker speak. So as much as like, I want to encourage your audience to get out and find at least one program this year, even if it's just down the street at a local program, you know, get out in the world and meet some people that are doing what you're doing because it'll, it'll really impact you. Oh, totally. I mean, I've met biz besties. I've met collaborations. I've totally. met people who want to have me on their podcast. Like it is just a wealth of, of opportunity. Totally. totally so we are going to be talking about events. Uh, <laughs> and so kind of, we're going to be talking more about the formatting of your event um, and diving into kind of the planning, I'm sure agenda, all of that stuff. Yeah. So kind of describe maybe when you were first starting out your first couple events, um, how you first formatted and you were kind of like, oh gosh, like I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Or if you had a mentor and you used them, kind of what was it the first couple um, versus we'll get into. Right. Well, like everything, (laughs) it has totally evolved over the years and we found new ways to, you know, streamline things. And we found new ways to love on our customers and our, our campers, we call them our paper campers. Um, and so our first one, well, I should back up and say that I was working in the corporate world for a really long time. Um, and in that corporate job, I was doing business development and that involved a lot of events. Um, so I did have some experience with events before I stepped out on my own. Um, but when I did my very first paper camp in 2012, um, it was much different than what it is now. It was maybe 10 people at a little bed and breakfast. We had some people sitting on the floor on couches. Like it was very living room cozy. Um, and you know, we didn't really have slides and PowerPoints. We had some handout material, like a workbook for them, but it wasn't what it is now. Now it's like this huge binder. Um, (laughs) and, um, and it was really, um, it was really intimate and it was amazing and it was great content, but it was, um, I think we only did one day at that point and it was a much lower price point because I didn't know what I was doing. I was really just trying to cover costs at the time. And, you know, I was incorrectly looking at it as just let's test the waters and see. And in retrospect, I wish I had treated it more like, no, this is a revenue source. This is, you know, I need to be raising the prices and we're showing the value and all these things, but it takes time. You need to be comfortable with these things. And anyhow, I, so I started small. We started small in terms of the timing, the amount of content and the price point that we did this. But I definitely knew from the get-go that I wanted it to have a small intimate feel. I wanted people to feel like they were coming into my home, even though I couldn't like welcome all these people into my home. So I chose a venue that really matched that feeling that I wanted them to have. It was fun too, because it was at the bed and breakfast. Everyone stayed there. So we did get to see each other for meals and stuff. So it was, it was a fun program. Um, You know, now it's evolved into, we stay at a larger, it's still a boutique hotel and it still feels like me, but we have a conference room space and we sit in a U shape and we, we do cap our programs at 30 students because we still want to keep it like intimate. 
I've done larger programs. We did try to scale up at one point to see if we liked that format, but it just didn't feel like me. We had a hundred people at one of our programs and mm. I just, I like the smaller atmosphere. I like being able to help people one-on-one and, and be able to hear what their struggles are and help them brainstorm solutions. Um, and it's harder to do that in a larger format. So, um, now we're two days now it's a little bit more extensive, you know, um, because we've expanded the time frame and we've expanded everything that's included in it too. So, um, yeah, you know, events are really fun. Um, but I, I'm seeing a lot more people jumping into the event space now and doing retreats and conferences and, uh, workshops. And I think it's amazing because I think there's room for all of us. We're all catering to different people, but I do want to help educate people that like, it's a serious commitment. It's a big investment in both your time and your money. And so I want to make sure that people are doing events for the right reason and that it's the right format for their business, I guess is the best way to phrase it. Yeah, no, definitely. So then kind of once you got maybe the first few under your belt, kind of what finally drove you to be like, okay, I actually need to start taking this more seriously instead of just throwing something together or or being... (laughs) or not taking it as seriously. I hear so many folks when you brought that up about like, this is my first event. So I'm just going to, you know, I just want to cover costs and they, and they, you know, shy back about it um, versus looking at it as a revenue source. Um, And so kind of how did you shift that mindset from, okay, this is just something I'm kind of wanting to do to like, okay, I actually need to make money money off of it. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So while my first one was happening, I knew I was on to something. I knew that this was my right format for my community. And I knew that we were having such an impact meeting everybody in person. And so at that point I knew that, okay, this is something I want to do long-term and I need to systematize this. I need to find a venue that really speaks to me and, you know, really reflects who my audience, like it reflects my audience. It reflects me. It reflects my business. Well, and then we need to create some structure that we can duplicate over and over. Um, that's not to say that everybody's getting a cookie cutter experience. We, we don't want that at all. We want a really like great client experience, but, um, but I knew that we needed to systematize it. And again, this is expanded over time. Like, um, the first one we did after that. So the second one I did rather, um, I did it at a local boutique hotel that we're still going to. And we've, um, we, at one, right after that one, people were asking for me to take it to the East coast. They were asking for me to take it on the road. And I was like, okay, maybe. Um, so we did one in DC and that was a test and it went really well, but it was much harder for me logistically to plan that I'm in California and it just, planning and organizing events on the other coast is just a lot more expensive and it's more difficult. So after that experience, I adjusted and brought it back to LA and we've stayed in LA for all of them now. And part of that's because we have a great venue. Part of that's because of my life situation right now with my young children. Part of that's just because it's so much easier and less expensive. And if it's less expensive, then we don't have to raise the the, right. the tuition as much either. Yeah. So, um, I would say after the first, I, I knew going into the first one, this was going to be a revenue source for my business and that I wanted to take it seriously, but I was nervous because it was something new. And so that's why I wanted to try to keep costs low and, and risk low. Um, by the second one, I knew this is something I want to do long-term. Let's just right. take our time and figure out our systems. And as you know, systems are ever evolving. <laughs> They're always <Yeah>. changing and, <laughs> and that's okay. It's okay to change your mind. But um, I think it's important to know your end goals and to know what you're hoping to get to at the end. 100%. I was just talking to someone about, you could just give, give 
ourselves a little bit more grace (laughs) when it comes to our business. Um, And life, all of it. Yeah. Dude, I know. Um, (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. Right. Um, Sorry. Don't mean to derail. (laughs) (laughs) But when it comes to just like, you know, okay, you tried DC and it was great, but you want to bring it back to LA and nothing's wrong with that. And there's nothing, you know, bad or anything like that. And I think that it's important for people to see, okay, you can try something here. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Do something else. Right. And I think my other bit of advice around that is like, do what works for you and your business. Because I get asked weekly by multiple people, when are you going to take this on the road? When are you going to take paper camp on the road? When are you going to be in my city? And as much as I would like to accommodate everybody, I can't. And so, you know, I've, I've been asked to do paper camp. We do it twice a year right now, um, in the spring and the fall. And I've been asked to do it in the summer. I've been asked to do multiple, you know, people are going to ask for whatever they want, which is great. They should, but at the same time, it's up to me to know what's best for me, what's best for my business. And it's okay for me to say no or not right now. Mm -hmm. And then it's okay for me to change my mind later if I want to, too. So yeah, hundred percent. Good, good point. All right. Let's. Go ahead and kind of walk us through um, the steps that you took to create kind of the paper camp system format of putting it on, organizing it, et cetera. Sure. So the first thing I tell people is to figure out if, if you want to plan an event, if that's something you're thinking about, I would tell you to focus on your format first. And by that, I mean, decide how large you want this to be. Will it have a lecture feel to it? Will it have more of a conversational feel to it? Um, I usually lump events into three different categories. You have the conferences, which are the larger format, you know, more people, lecture style, classroom seating and all that stuff. Get all nitty gritty there. But, um, and (laughs) then um, from there you down, you've got a workshop feel and that could be 20 to 30 people or so. Um, And, you know, for paper camp, we sit in a U shape so that it's more conversational. Everybody can see each other. Um, The speakers don't stand at the front of the room. We do have slides and everything, but we sit intermixed between all the students and so that they feel like we're accessible and we are accessible. And then there's also, you know, a retreat format, which is even smaller. It may be, you know, eight to 10 people. And these aren't rules. These are just guidelines. Um, And so I, um, you know, and that might be at a house or, you know, you rent an Airbnb or you do it at a hotel or something. There's lots of different ways that you can do a retreat. But my first step would be to figure out your format. What does your audience need? How do you want to engage with them? What kind of content do you want to bring to them? And then how can that content best be presented? Yeah, delivered. Exactly. And that's the right word. Um, Delivered to them. And so then once you figured out your format, that's going to take you down a whole nother pathway (laughs) of like logistics, right? So I always tell people, focus on your content first and make sure that you've got the content is solid and that it's going to help your audience. Definitely focus on who your audience is. So the format and then focusing on the content and then, um, and then it's about the logistics, you know, how are you going to make this a great experience for your customers? Customer experience is a really important thing for us. So, and that includes meals, that includes where they're going to sleep if they're staying overnight, parking, Wi-Fi. like it's the little things that can make their experience really great or kind of eh. Um, one example of that, and this is a small thing, but it's important. We have a lot of, uh, people with food allergies that come to our event events (laughs) and we feed them breakfast and lunch and even dinner. And, um, 
So I want to be very mindful that they have options and that we're catering to those options. And so, um, you know, we ask that on the registration form and then Mm. we make sure that there's a separate meal for them and we let them know what their options are. And so it's just, um, you know, be mindful. You (laughs) You have people that is the pain in the butt. That's like, I'm allergic to these three things. Right. I apologize. <laughs> well, and here's the thing, what you just said right there, you apologize for this. Yeah, I know. Everyone comes and they apologize. And I'm like, no, like if you're allergic to something, you're allergic to something. Right. We, we don't want you to feel gu- guilty about not being able to eat something. We want you to feel good about it. So anyhow, I, I'm, yeah. I just, it go- and we also send packages in the mail and I do email mm-hmm. welcome news. Like everything that goes into the customer experience is, is really important. So get your format down, you know, definitely focus on your content and make sure that it's tailored to the audience you're trying to serve and then love on them, you know, get that customer service stuff dialed in. There's other logistics too with the hotels and all of the things you need to do. But, um, if I had to break things down into systems, it would be those three categories mainly. Totally. Yeah. And I think, how do you decide kind of what the, goal of the event is so or maybe even what you want people to walk away with because I think a lot of people when they go to the events there's this high and then a lot of times and I'm speaking from experience I get home and I maybe implement one thing if that and so you know that's on the that's on the attendee and so it's you know it's not the event person's responsibility but what is how do you try to ensure that you're setting them up for success to then go back home mm-hmm. and implement the stuff that they're learning? That's a really great question. And you said it's not our responsibility, but yeah. honestly, I feel like it is a little bit my responsibility. Like I want people, I want my attendees to really, um, well, we welcome them into our Facebook alumni group afterwards. So they're still like <clears throat> nurtured there, but I, I want to make sure that if they, wanted to take action on something afterwards that they have this, not only the information, but the support and the skills and like everything they need, the resources available to them. So, um, but your question was how to, so I think that ties into the format in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, I ran a a larger program called business camp and it was for people that had already come through paper camp and I wanted it to be focused on business operations. So like higher level advanced things, um, we talked about marketing and saving for retirement and we had wow. Jen Gotch from Bando come and, um, wow. Tara Gentili came and spoke. It was really great. And it's actually available as an online option now, if anyone's interested, but it, um, it was great, but I will tell you, it was jammed way too packed with information. We did it in one day and we had a ridiculous number of speakers and we didn't give anyone any margin. We didn't give anyone any room mm-hmm at the conference to digest what they were thinking and what they were like taking in. We gave them a notebook of course, and they're taking notes and everything, but like, you know, you need that kind of white space at these places to have conversations with people or even take a step away by yourself and just make notes. And so, um, going back to your previous question about like how I've adjusted, I'm not going to do, I'm doing that same type of conference with the content being high level and about business operations, but we're doing it in the paper cap camp format two days, smaller group, lots of room and white space for people to like take it in. Uh, You also need to be considerate. Like I was at the Sean West conference, um, in Austin last year Uh and I really admired the way that they set it up. Um, they left, they joked 
they joked, but it was a serious thing. They had a ton of introverts, I guess, at this conference Mm -hmm. and people that had never been to events. And so they wanted to leave a lot of space between programs uh, for people to really take it in. And being there, it really opened up my eyes to the different formats and the different ways of that people learn. Mm -hmm. And, um, so if you are one of those people that goes to an event, takes a bunch of notes and wants to like implement it later, but has a struggle for it, I would recommend you schedule some time to do it. So while you're at the conference or even before you go to the conference, maybe schedule one or two weeks out afterward, like block off Mm -hmm. a day. Yep. to revisit your notes from the conference once you've had time to just sit on it a little bit and yep. then, you know, try to block schedule it in for later. I'm a big fan of block scheduling. Me too. I know I you are. But that's one way. That's one way. And, you know, I have like a ton of notebooks from the different events that I go to and I'm constantly, yeah. another thing I do when I'm an attendee at an event is I bring a highlighter and this sounds so nerdy, stationary <laughs> world of me, but like I bring a highlighter and anything that like, I actually at my retreat last week, two weeks ago, I brought two, a pink one and a yellow one. And the pink one was anything I needed to take care of straight away. So I highlighted that. Mm-hmm. And the yellow one was ideas I wanted to kind of develop further or think about. And that way, amongst all my notes, I had some yeah. specific call outs. So oh, I like that. Maybe that would work for people too. Yeah. The color coding I think is really good because yeah, your notes can just look like a deep, deep hole of yeah. who knows what is going to get done. Right. And I, I mean, I love when I'm at place, I love writing stuff down. I think it's how I process. It's how I brainstorm. It's how I digest. So. Yeah. A hundred percent. So then with kind of that decompression or, or that margin that you talked about, how can you play with that um, in the sense of, okay, if you're having an hour long talk um, or lecture or something, yeah. how much decompression time should you allow for a half hour? You know, and I know yeah. that it's kind of test it and, and see what works for you, but what have you seen, I guess, in all the events you've been to that you yeah. felt like was, this was actually really nice. So I think Sean, the Sean West conference was, I think each speaker was allotted one and a half to two hours. Um, wow. I spoke at that conference and actually when they told me that I had one and a half to two hours, I was like, what? Like that was more than I was expecting. But, um, but then they clarified like your sweet spot is 30 to 40 minutes and then we'll do Q and a, and then we want time for people to like stand up, stretch, talk to each other, or the Q and a can go on if people have more questions. And so, um, you know, again, it's going to depend on your audience. It's going to depend on the format that you choose. This was more of a lecture on the stage type of format. You know, if you're in a small group retreat, um, it can be a little more loose, you know, right. people can get up and do what they need to do. Um, for my next program, it's, it's a program we're hosting specifically for our alumni. I'm giving one and a half hours to each lecture. And that way, They'll speak for about 45 minutes. We'll have time for like a conversational Q and a with everybody. And then, um, you know, we can have side combos or just people can get a break and get up and get coffee, whatever they need to do. I, I didn't, I will say when I first started doing these events, I, and even up to 2015, when I did my business camp conference, I wanted to jam pack everything in because Mm -hmm. I want it to look valuable. I want it to feel packed full of content so people can feel good about paying the fee to come. And most of our people fly in. So the travel and the hotel and, you know, those things add up and I want to be very cognizant of their budgets, but I realized that that was counterproductive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, because it was too much. They were overwhelmed. They left overwhelmed. So I will say if you are starting to get into events and you do feel like 
you know, your first one is either overfilled with stuff, just tweak, adjust, yeah. and, yeah. and that's okay. Um, but listen to your audience. The other thing we do at the end of each event is do a survey of our audience. And I used to do that at the program, like right before they left. And I have since changed that and we do it in an online survey a few days after they get home. And that, um, my decision there was mostly because I wanted people to like reflect on their experience. Um, and so it's been good. So there's, I guess my, my, my long, long answer to all of this is like, there's no one size fits all. There's no correct way to do this. You ultimately need to build a program that's going to fit your audience both from a content and format standpoint, and also just keep your costs low. I'm seeing a lot of people that are spending tons of money on decor and Instagram worthy stuff. Um, this is a business you're running and the more you spend on all that stuff, the less your profits are going to be. And, um, you can still make a wonderful client experience without having tons and tons and tons and tons of swag, you know? I, I totally agree with that. And I think one thing that would be interesting to know is with all the expenses that go into an event, venue expense is usually number a pretty one. big one. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's the number one. Yeah. yeah. And so kind of, you know, touch on a couple things about negotiating when it comes yeah. to a venue and what you can negotiate or what you should try and negotiate, et cetera. Et cetera. Sure. So this is something that I've been living in <laughs> for the last <laughs> month. Um, my, I have an events manager that works with me um, and we've been going on site visits because we just, oh. the other thing is too, you need to revisit your systems, right? You need right. to revisit these things as you're doing it. So we've done 11 events now and um, nine of them have been at the same spot, which we really like, but we just wanted to make sure right. this is still the right fit and all that. So, um, we spent the last month doing site visits, meaning going out to different venues and checking them out, looking at the conference space, looking at the hotel rooms, um, reviewing their room rates and their menus and all the different things. Um, Totally. And it gets exhausting, you guys. I'm not going to lie. Like, you're like, which hotel was that? What was the room rate there? What are the dates? And, you know, the room rates too, those change depending on your dates. So um, you also have to kind of have a sense of when you want to do things. But in terms of negotiation, everything is negotiable. Everything. And so I do want to encourage your audience that when you are going to bat with hotels or anyone really, like, ask for what you want. And don't be shy about it. Don't be timid. Uh, The worst they can do is say, no, we can't do that. But at least it starts a conversation and it gets things rolling. Um, If you're not happy with the room rate, ask for it to be reduced. Um, If you're not happy with the, you know, if there's a room fee for the conference space, maybe ask them to up your food and beverage minimum, meaning how much you're paying for all of your your food for your attendees. And in, in lieu of that wave, the the conference room space. Um, I hate paying money for nothing. So I would much rather have a higher food and beverage minimum and give my, my people a really great lunch or a cocktail reception at the end of the day than pay money for a room that, you know, it's just, it's there. So, um, I guess, I guess that is something I would negotiate. Um, it just depends on what your, where your budget falls. Also, the other thing is every hotel is very different. Some have packages where they include everything together. Some it's all pieced out and separate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of depends on your venue. But I guess my 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 system is that we put together a spreadsheet and we um, try to make things apples to apples and as much that we can compare them. So if things right. are in a package format, we make sure we have 
um, that in our spreadsheet to compare expenses. And if everything's a la carte, we group it together, similar packages so we can see, but, but definitely create a budget. So you know what you're talking about. Um, don't forget to add in taxes and service fees that are at every venue. You know, the other thing is we really try to find places that have a reasonable room rate because we recognize that that's going to impact the decision our audience has as to whether or not they come. So, um, I try to negotiate that room rate down too. Yeah. Or free parking. Do you have it separated so that it's like, okay, I guess the ticket price or tuition price is all inclusive in the sense of it includes your room and includes the food includes all the things or is it do you separate some things out yeah so i separate it out so i um for paper camp we do not include the rooms um we have some people that live locally and they don't need a hotel room we've got people that come from out of town and want to stay longer so um we don't want anyone to feel that they're having to spend extra money on things that they don't want and so we include in our tuition the two days of our program the materials we have breakfast lunch um both days plus a afternoon break with snacks and stuff. And then on the, so it's two days on the night of the first day, we also have, um, Oh, we have two receptions both nights and then we have dinner the night in between the, the, so we have quite a bit of meals are covered while we're all together for both days. The meals are pretty much covered. And then we do negotiate a room block with the hotel, Mm -hmm. um, at a discounted rate, but everyone's responsible for, booking their own rooms. And we do in our registration process, ask them, are you interested in sharing a room with somebody else? And if they check yes for that, we will then group everybody together and send an email and say, Hey, all of you guys are interested in sharing pair up and make sure you book your rooms. Like we let them take care of that process. You know, I just, some people want a room with two people. Some people want to smash, you know, pack four people into a room. It's, it's totally their discretion. And so, um, a lot of conferences do wrap rooms in to their program. Um, so that is an option for you, but I would look at the dollars and I would look at your audience and see yeah. if that's beneficial to you. Because for me, I want to give my audience more flexibility. The other thing is I don't want my team having to manage room reservations or pairing people up or the logistics that come with that. And so, yeah. you know, everyone's a grown up; they can get their own <laughs> But that, that's Absolutely. just, that's what worked for me. Um, again, everybody does it differently. A retreat, you know, if you're doing it at like right. an Airbnb or something, that makes more sense to just wrap it all together and have everybody right. included. But, um, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. No. Again, it all dials back to format and content. <laughs> yep. yeah, exactly. Like how you run in this thing. Yeah. So, so that's good. Uh, so we're going to wrap up with a couple final questions. Sure. Uh, what was your best financial investment in business? My, my team, um, the people on my team hands down have been my best financial investment and I've brought them on slowly. I've brought them on in part-time roles. Everybody is there. I have only contractors. Um, and some of them only started, you know, five hours a month or on a project basis. So for anyone that's considering hiring and make, you know, it makes you nervous, like know that there's a ton of flexibility there and there's, um, a lot of ways to bring team members on without, having to pay benefits and have a full-time deal. So my people though, I I now have uh, six people that work for me. They're all in very part-time roles, independent contractors, but they're very specific roles. Um, I wanted to hire experts. I wanted to people hire people smarter than me who could like teach me things that I needed to know. So um, yeah, they've, they've definitely freed up a lot of my time so that I can focus on higher level 
revenue generating stuff. Good. I think it's good that you pointed out about the experts and, and whatever else. And, and I always say a lot of times lower per hour, not that that's negative, lower per hour are generalists and there's training yeah. that has to be involved that yeah. people don't take into account. And then higher per hour are more the specialists, more yeah. the people that you don't necessarily have to train. You might have to talk to them about how you do things, right. but as far as their skill set, you aren't going to have to shine it up and, and totally. whatever else. So I think it's important you kind of talked about. Yeah. And the other thing I'd encourage people that are thinking about hiring, um, you're going to get it wrong sometimes and you might hire the wrong person. Um, and it's okay. Just, you know, some, some people just aren't a good fit. So right. if you have to have that hard conversation, just do it, move on, be polite, be professional, handle it in a professional way, and then just keep looking. But it, it does take practice sometimes to manage people and to hire people and to find the right people. So do your homework at the beginning too, to like make sure you're attracting the right type of people. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I agree on that stuff. Uh, and then what was your worst financial investment in business? Oh gosh, what was my worst financial investment? I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty conservative. <laughs> um, yeah. So let good. me think. I don't know that I've had a worse. I think there's certain things I would have done differently. Um, like I would have hired for my website sooner. Um, oh, okay. Like somebody to manage it and maintain it and update it because we got hacked and I was like, what do you mean? I need to update plugins, which is so ridiculous. Why didn't I know that? <laughs> but, um, yeah. but I, yeah, I think, you know, getting people on, on the team sooner to help with things. I think I went too long without getting help and I thought I could do it all. And then things fell through the cracks and, um, yeah. so I know that's not a financial yeah. investment, but, but makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where can people find you online website facebook instagram all the places sure. uh, and they'll all be in the show notes as well awesome so they can find me at tradeshowcamp.com there's no boot in there even though we're trade show we're tradeshowcamp.com yeah. um and everywhere online we're trade show camp as well so it's pretty that's easy okay. instagrams are jam that's where i hang out most of the time um we do a lot of posts about our alumni community and the products that they're developing and the cool things that yeah. they're doing. So, um, yeah, definitely check that out. Yeah, that will be fun. I know I'll have to check it out. Cause I, I, a friend of mine was just, um, texting me about some paper source stuff Yeah, and it's like danger. Like I cannot step into paper source without like a couple hundred dollars in my pocket because right. it's like, I, I can't go in that store. I know. You know, did you ever watch, um, oh, what was that movie where um, she's a groupie and, oh God, now I'm totally forgetting the name. She goes in, she talked about going into the record store and um, it was Kate Hudson was in there and it was, she was following the band around and almost famous. Yes. It was almost famous. Okay. So in all, thank you. I should yeah. team up a story and doing a very bad delivery here, but in okay. almost famous, she goes into that. She talks about going into the record store and it's like seeing all of her friends. Right. Right. I feel that way at paper source. I go into paper source and I know like, I know so many of the brands that are yeah. on the shelves there. And I joke that it's my almost famous moment. Like just <laughs> like going in to visit and see, Oh, what did so-and-so come up with? Oh, great. This is so, it's just so fun. I love that store. And it's just, 
yeah. that's where our community, a lot of our people are selling there. So it's fun yeah, for me to go I there. Figured, yeah, I know. So your Instagram is like going to be a whole nother danger zone for me. I know. <laughs> sorry. Get your wallet out, girl. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. listening to System Save Me. If you want to get the links to anything we talked about, go to systemsaveme.com. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you on the next episode.